Palmer Alexander for the Inner Zone Network. I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Cafe Piazza. They're located at 1900 Arsenal. They have a happy hour where you get buy one, get one 50% off on all items of equal or lesser value. They also have large pizza, beer, and wine. All cash tips go to furloughed employees. That's at Cafe Piazza. Give them a call, 314-343-0294. They also do delivery and curbside pickup. And on the weekend, their brunch is open. Get yourself some bottomless mimosas, Bloody Marys, breakfast pizza, a la carte, all at Cafe Piazza, located at 1900 Arsenal. That is Cafe Piazza, 314-343-0294. 314-343-0294 and a thank you for your business. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you are in the zone, baby. The following program does contain language that some might find objectionable. Parental discretion is advised. How rude of me. Chitota. Uh, city to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the In the Zone Network. Palm Alexander, the living legend, KIL. One Ellen Kibba, Kiss Still Kills. Well, this NBA show is a special show. It's coming out today. And it's going to be out there until game six happens. Josh Price from the Price Check joining me in studio for this special show. Had to do this. You know something, Josh? First of all, a lot of people that I know, right? You know, when, you know, I picked the Heat in six. Yep. And what, listen, we always have great conversations and whatnot. But I don't have the same conversation with other people. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, you know, I was, I was, t- I was telling, I was telling my guy. I said, "No, boy." He was telling me. He said, "He said Miami don't stand no chance, bro. They too big. They too strong. They ain't got no. They, 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 they just too big for them." I said, "The heat of dogs." Yes. And the yes. one thing about a dog is a dog don't give a fuck about the size of another dog. They 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 come to fight. Look, my fiance has a Shih Tzu Lhasa mix at home, right? Uh huh. Walk past a pit bull, it still feel like it's a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> don't give a damn how big that other pit bull is. It feel like hey. You square with me, I'm gonna square with you, and that's that's the mentality of Miami Heat, man. Like they yeah. they don't give a damn if they down three one. They don't give a damn if it's two zero. They don't care if they're down thirteen points, three points, a hundred points, whatever. They feel like they always got a shot, and it starts with Jimmy Butler, who I know a lot of people who cover and watch the league probably won't agree with this, but Jimmy Butler's a top ten player in the NBA, without a doubt. And if you if you don't agree, name me the ten that you have ahead of him, or however many you have ahead of him, and I'm gonna choose however many that you have outside of that ten, and that's gonna be a lot. Yeah, Jimmy is for real, man. And 
the performances he's had in their two wins are performances of somebody who has the heart of a champion. He's not going out there and playing around. He's played, what, 45 minutes in game three, 47 and a half minutes in game five. He's not. He's like, look, if y'all are going to win, I'm gonna have to die while y'all do it because that's like that's what it is, man. Like I'm not going out here and just letting y'all have this easy. They said it, you know, time and time again on the broadcast last night. It's the first of four wins, not the first of three. Um, and the Heat playing like it right now. And you know the one thing about uh, Jimmy Butler that I really enjoyed about watching him and watching his progression is that. Uh, he can get so deep into the paint and taking it at guys that are, you know, three, three to five inches taller than him, but creating that much space too, you know, with, with that, with the jump shot, I think his medium range jump shot has improved uh, a great deal, yep. you know, and, you know, he's playing with, with the, uh, with, with a ton of, of confidence and, I think when when you know after he scored that had that big forty point game in that in that first win, and you know he got a lot of criticism when he didn't have a have another repeat forty point game, and then he come back with another fantastic game. Um, what did that was was that what really won him over to you or like no this guy's my top was that what got him there for you? Well, so what put it on my on my brain initially was game one of the series against the Bucks. So I think he also had 40 points or close to it in that game. And basically was putting a stamp on it like, look, y'all supposed to be the best team, but we the best ones here. And Jimmy walks on the court, whether it's Giannis, whether it's LeBron, hell, whether it's Michael Jordan, whoever, he walks on the court, he feel like I'm the best person out here. And it, it really means something when you have a guy like that that you're going to war with in championship situations because that type of mentality is infectious when it comes to the other players around you. Duncan Robinson is out here shooting the lights out of it because Jimmy is empowering him to do so, saying, hey, we not out of this and you're going to help us stay in it. Tyler Hero is able to come in, the youngest player to ever play in the NBA Finals, and have that confidence because Jimmy Butler is leading him to do so. That type of play and that type of you know style and just that mentality is gonna rub off on those young guys and you know it has them back in the series. You know if the <clears throat> excuse me if the season had ended in Game Five, yeah. Even though I picked the Heat in six, I still would have said the Heat played a great series. Yes, and that was a hard fought five game series because. Outside of the blowout game one, uh, the Lakers they've they've earned every win in this series. It's been uh, you know a dogfight, man, and you know a lot of people, of course, come back at me for you know being a Lakers fan and, and you know kind of that being where my rooting interest lies. You know, I put small amount of small amount of money on the Lakers to win in five, just because they had won every series before this in five. But I'm not surprised that this is going six. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven because Miami is that type of team. And even, you know, we also are in the, the social media age now where if you say somebody's going to win in five games, you're basically <laughs> telling them or the person on the receiving end of that is saying, oh, well, they're going to be blown out in every game. You're disrespecting the Heat. No, that's not the case. But 
you know, when you have the two best players in the series, which I think the Lakers still do, even though I think Jimmy Butler has ascended a level, um, you know, you're able to pull out close wins a lot easier than some other teams are. And, you know, last night was one of those situations where they just couldn't pull it out, and Jimmy Butler's the reason they couldn't. You know, looking at the Lakers, and I felt that in, in, the, in, in their last win, I thought uh, KCP was huge. Every yeah. shot was seemed like it was it was on the money, and you know even though you know he he had he had the uh, the sixteen points. Uh, to me, it didn't seem like he went six for fifteen. You know because every one of those threes he hit were so big, yeah. so clutch for them. But it is it's like if if he's not in that corner for that for that corner three. You know, you just you close your eyes. You hope that he makes contact with the rim. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, you know. Man. Uh, but 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 see, that was one of the reasons why I was actually giving the Heat a chance. It just I know how great LeBron and AD is, but I always thought that KCP was a great player. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, he didn't look like that in Detroit. Uh. And he he definitely has had his struggles early on, but I mean, uh, he he's been clutch. He's definitely stepped it up. Uh, I thought Kuzma would be would be playing a lot better, but he just looks completely lost out there uh, on on the basketball court. Or what? What do you think? So I I go back and forth on Kuzma a lot. Um, you know, having watched the Lakers in the years before this, like you know, leading up to the whole you know acquisition of LeBron, acquisition of Anthony Davis, right? Kyle Kuzma was, you know, kind of the guy that we thought Brandon Ingram was supposed to be while he was like Kooky Kuzma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he comes out here one game, he'll have, you know, 25 points, he'll go like 12 for 15 from the field, and then the next night he does what he does last night, you know, 3 for 10, 0 for 4 from three-point range, you know, missing defensive assignments. So, I think one thing that playing with LeBron has done for him is built his confidence to take some of those shots. Um, I think the problem, though, he's got to pick his spots a little bit better. Um, and, you know, you look at Kuzma, he goes 3 for 10. You look at Rondo, 1 for 7, 6 for 15 out of KCP, 3 for 8 out of Danny Green. Literally everybody besides LeBron and AD had a bad shooting night. And so you ask yourself, one, does that happen again? But then if it does, can at least one of those other guys just make one or two more shots? Because that's literally the difference in winning and losing last night's game. And you look at Danny Green. Danny Green has been getting a lot of criticism yep. uh, for missing that three. But then, you know, the uh, the Lakers still had an opportunity with, with the rebound. So do you still put all that blame on Danny Green? Because they still had the ball. They got the rebound. And they had enough time to get a really good shot off. So let me walk you through my, <laughs> my, my thought process and my emotions as this is all playing out last night. Because, of course... I'm sitting there on the couch with my double-sided Kobe Bryant shirt on. I got the 8 on the front. I got the 24 on the back. I'm like, okay, we're going to close out the championship tonight. LeBron gets the ball. They down one. Of course, I see him drive. For a second, I think he's going to take it. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, everybody's collapsing. The smart play is to kick it back out, right? Danny Green gets it. There is not anybody within six feet of him. The heat of social distancing. The heat of social distancing on defense. Nobody's within six feet of him. He has the open shot. Not only does he miss, he misses off of front rim. 
damn near air balls. And I'm I'm going crazy. I'm losing my shit. I'm losing my <laughs> shit second by second. And so the thing that really makes me mad about that whole sequence was not the first Danny Green, well, the Danny Green miss. It was the fact that Markeith Morris gets the rebound and actually has Danny Green behind him wide open again and doesn't pass it. Instead, throws the ball completely out of bounds, thinking he's going to lob it to Anthony Davis, and then that goes again. So it's the it's the small things like that because, of course, you know, if Danny Green hits the shot, we're talking about a whole, you know, completely different ending. But we're also talking about a completely different ending if, you know, Markeith Morris doesn't catch lemon booty right there live on TV. <laughs> that is the voice of Josh Price. He hosts the Price Check. Great NBA podcast on the real in its own network. We're going city to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to the in the zone network. We're doing this NBA uh, game six preview, uh, doing a special, uh, have a lot of fun talking some NBA. Got Arthur A. Train Lane running the board, the best producer in the world. The world. You know what I mean? The world, Craig. So, <laughs> so. So listen, I want to talk about the Heat. Uh, again, you know, I've been telling people, look, they're dogs. Yep. They're dogs. And you know what I really like about the Heat, and another reason why I always gave them a puncher's chance, is that even with the height disadvantage, they front Davis so well, and and it's almost as if they're, it's like they're, they're trying to, uh, go the Lakers until lobbing that pass in there and somebody always coming over the back to get it. And it's almost like, can you, is anybody seeing this happening? Because they're having a lot of success doing that to them. So the Heat have been executing really well on defense outside, I guess, those first couple games. Yeah. Or, you know, Anthony Davis, and even, even in those games, they played them tough. It's just hell, you know. The man put up 34 points game one, 32 points in game two. Sometimes great players just do that. Um, I think the adjustment going into tomorrow's game, well, not even adjustment, the, the real story is going to be is how healthy is Anthony Davis. If he's still hobbled, um, the heat fronting and throwing multiple bodies at him and all that, that impact is felt a little bit more because you're already less than 100%. Now you got to, you know, bounce off of two and three different guys every single possession. Um, that definitely starts to, you know, wear down even the greatest of players, right? So, you know, he had, you know, 28 points last night, 9 for 15 from the field. But to be honest, did you ever really feel like those 28 points were dominant? I didn't. No, and that was the thing I was getting ready to say next. The one thing about Anthony Davis in that game – the Heat made made him just strictly a perimeter player. And if he's strictly a perimeter player, he's not hurting you on the boards. He's not hurting you on the boards. And, you know, had 12 rebounds last night, you know, 13 rebounds from LeBron. But outside of those guys, you didn't really get any help on the boards. And then you got, you know, you have to make your impact known minute after minute after minute. And if he's limping up and down the court and basically running from three-point line to three-point line, that's not the Anthony Davis that's going to help you win the championship. And, you know, it also looked like the Heat reverted back to something they did against the Greek Freak with Anthony Davis. They packed the lane a little bit. Not not much, but they packed it enough, and they, he didn't decide to – uh, take him off the dribble. He decided to take more shots from the perimeter, and uh, you know he 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 had a good game shooting. But I would rather him shooting from the perimeter instead of you know driving and doing things like that. Yeah, if you if you have to you know see Anthony Davis for forty two minutes, 
you would much rather him take, you know, out of his 15 shots, 10 to 12 of them being jump shots. I'll live with that. Yeah. Um, now, from the Lakers' perspective, you have to not only make sure that you get Anthony Davis easy looks, get him going early in the game, it might also be worth giving Dwight a touch here or there to take advantage of guys like Jay Crowder or Andre Iguodala switching on to him because right now, when Dwight's on the court, the Heat can never mind him. He's not going to beat you with a jump shot. He's basically only going to play within about the five feet around the rim. And outside of that, on you know on offense, he's not really giving you much. And when Anthony, when, when Dwight Howard and Bam Adebayo are together, Bam chews him up every. It, 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 that's the one thing about Bam. When he sees Dwight Howard guard him, he eats him up every single time. Every single time, Bam eats him up, and they always go to the Jimmy Butler Bam pick and roll so that they can get Dwight switched on to Jimmy. And Jimmy's just like, okay, now I can just take it to the cup. Either you're going to foul me or I'm going to go get him, go get a bucket. And I'll tell you something else that I noticed, too, with, with Bam. We're switching over, talking a little bit about the Heat. Bam's first step is it, it starting even getting even, even more explosive than it was before. See, and, you know, I said it on this show. Bam is one of my favorite young guys to watch in the NBA. Um, sucks that I have to, you know, be on the other <laughs> side of the, the rude interest against him right now. But um, Bam is a hell of a player, man. And again, Bam is just that he's that tool in the in the war chest where I can I can pull him out whenever I need to, whatever I need him to do. He's down for the challenge. And whether it's Dwight on him, whether it's AD on him. Whoever, um, he knows how to pick his spots, but he also knows how to stay within the game plan and not get beside himself. There was a sequence in game five, and me and A-Train was watching the game, and uh, Bam was guarding LeBron, and he forced LeBron to the baseline, and he covered so much ground that fast. Again, I've never seen no one be able to do that in front of LeBron. You're not going to tell me Father Time hasn't caught LeBron yet. Right. But if Bam is keeping up with him, I mean, of course he's 6'9", he got the length, but it was just amazing seeing his athleticism and he's able to come out to the three-point line and guard on LeBron James. That's amazing. He's able to, you know, he's able to guard on the perimeter. He's able to, you know, protect the paint. Uh, you know, had a real big block, I think, in the first quarter when it could have been a tie game. Um, you know, like 22-20. You know, he just he does every single thing that you ask of him, man. And um, if they're going to win game six, they're going to need another big performance from him. Uh, he still doesn't look 100% healthy to me, but right now I'm not sure that that matters. Mm. Now, we cannot go without talking about the performance of Duncan Robinson. Yeah. And – you know, I know he had the reputation of being just a three-point shooter. To me, he is a pure basketball player. Uh, the way he runs, uh, the cuts, uh, he's earned every single basket that he's made. I felt that if the Lakers have done anything right, they defended the hell out of Duncan Robinson. Yeah, so coming into the series, Robinson and Hero were the two guys that you needed to watch, you know, watch closely. Or closest, I should say. Um, because if you're the Lakers, you got to know, okay, look, we can't go three-point shot for three-point shot with them. That's not our game. So you have to take out their two best shooters, which up until, you know, game five, they had done so with Duncan Robinson. 
you know, hell of a performance last night. 26.7 for 13 from three-point range. Hell of a night. Um, do you get another performance like that from Duncan Robinson? I I don't know. If you're the Heat, you probably hoping so. Uh, because I think if he plays like that, you know, game six, you're probably going to see a game seven. And if he plays like that in the game seven, it's a toss-up. Are you surprised at his level of play, the way he's raised his level of play? I mean, because, again, you know, uh, I've watched his team, you know, pretty much much of the season, even before the bubble. Yeah. And, you know, primarily I just saw him shoot a lot of perimeter threes. He he, he has a great stroke. He doesn't have the, um, uh, the, the, the range of a Steph Curry, but it doesn't matter because yeah. he, he can he knock he knocks down uh, more threes than he does twos, and anytime he has an uncontested three, it was like a layup for him. It's it's so effortless. Um, and I, I heard I think Jeff Van Gundy was the one to say it on the broadcast where he's got like a little bit of Clay Thompson and a little bit of JJ Redick all at the same time. Um, you know he plays with that confidence and that swagger kind of like Clay does. Um, but he's so technically sound and fundamental like a J.J. Redick where it's the same form, it's the same shot every single time that he goes up with it. And, you know, again, being in that Miami Heat culture that they, you know, talk up, it's real when you can get guys like a Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, and make them play to the level that they have. Um, you know, you have a Tyler Hero who, yes, was a lottery pick, but is playing like, you know, one of the best young players we're going to see in this league, they get that boost and that confidence from, again, Jimmy Butler, but then also Eric Spolstra and just being able to trust them in that system down in Miami. And you can, you can understand why I like them, though, just from the fact that the like their mentality, their rebound mentality, boxing out. Like, you don't see, like, they was boxing out Dwight Howard. He got a bunch of cheap fouls like that. And same thing with with, uh, with Anthony Davis. They they made those guys, the only way you was going to get a rebound over them was to reach. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's just getting in great position. I just think that the Heat do that so well. Um, and, listen, I think they, they make quite a series of this. And, the scary thing about them, I say, just say, keep telling people there's 70 million underneath the cap. Yeah. <laughs> just know. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it was, I think it was uh, the friend of the network, Big Sarge, Big Sarge yeah. Sports. What's think, up, Big Sarge? I think he was the one that made mention of lazy journalism. Yeah. Bleacher Report, lazy journalism. Saying that, and they may not have been the source of this, but I got a notification up from Bleacher Report the other day that's saying that Miami is going to be a big free agent destination over the next couple years. Duh. <laughs> what? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to go to South Beach? Who wouldn't want to go play with Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Bam out of Bayou? Who, who wouldn't want to go surround themselves with that? Guess what? I'll play with that. Guess who else might want to? Giannis. Guess who else can opt out after next year? Kawhi. I mean, you know, look. Yeah. The NBA has become a league where you can no longer bet on potential in the future. You have to go for now always. We've seen too many times where, let's take Philly for instance. Trust the process, right? 
They trusted the process all the way to firing Brett Brown and being basically stuck in the same position now after the process has come to fruition than they were when it started. Yeah. You got Simmons and Embiid to build around, yet you don't even know if that's who you need to be building around. You got, you know, teams like if you look back at the Oklahoma City Thunder, they go to the finals in 2012. You think the sky's the limit for them after that finals, and James Harden doesn't play another game for them. You cannot continue to bet on the long term and the future because just like that, it can be gone. Miami is playing with house money right now because you have Tyler Hero playing like a star on a rookie contract. You have Bam out of Bayou playing like a star on a rookie contract. You have expiring deals with, you know, vets that you can use like Iguodala and Crowder, but you know they're not going to be there for the long haul. You have money now to go invest in that next person that's going to get you over the hump. Not to mention, you might not have much of a hump to get over if you win game six because then everything's on the table in the game seven of the NBA finals. And you think about, too, they they got a potential big three, big four in the making with all of the playoff and finals experience that out of Bayou, Hero, and Robinson are getting. I mean, you're talking about creating a legit championship uh, core, you know, for the next four or five years. I mean, you know, if they can keep if they can keep everybody in-house and, you know, kind of maneuver the pieces the way they need to, I think, you know, the next two, three years, it's probably going to be the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets in the East. Because, I mean, I I expect Kevin Durant to come back fully healthy off the Achilles based on what he saw him do on that Achilles in the finals against Toronto. Um, And as much shit as I gave it, I think the Steve Nash thing might work in Brooklyn, at least in the sense of they're going to play an exciting brand of basketball. I don't know if that's always going to translate into wins, but at the same time, Kevin Durant is a bad man and – I think he's still going to be able to play at a real high level. But if you ask me, you know, Heat versus Nets, I'm still taking the Heat right now. Okay. So, game six. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the Heat. I mean, obviously, I picked them uh, to win uh, the series in six. So, I guess they got to win it in seven. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, Mr. Obvious. Hey, I picked the Lakers in five, so I'm got to give now. <laughs> All right, I'm got to give, man. So, so, uh, so, okay, so I, I'm picking the uh, Heat. You picking the Lakers? So that's settled. Uh, Josh Price, where's the best place to, for people to be able to catch up with? Look, you can catch me Illmatic underscore Twitter uh, underscore three on Twitter. We also got uh, at Price Check Pod, new uh, home of the Price Check on Twitter. So check us out, man. You know, again, we do the show as close to once a week as possible. We're gonna have a real nice finals and NBA season. You know, recap coming here. <laughs> hopefully after Game Six, but uh, you know, we'll see what Sunday has in store for us. Man. All right, that that is the voice of. Uh, Josh Price of the Price Check. Uh, this is a in the zone special preview of Game Six of the NBA Finals. Uh, big shout out to Auditor A Train Lane putting this shit down. He has been putting in a lot of work. Also, make sure you check out Lauren Spearman. Check on your friend podcast. 
Oh man, some mental health awareness. We all need some mental health awareness after this finals and everything else. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so until next time, remember, man, press play. You don't know what you're missing. You're listening to In the Zone, and this is the network. in the zone now listen general excitement organic excitement you know it doesn't get any better than that but that happens when anyone that has come through the doors of the inner zone network mm-hmm. we lay down the blueprint you follow the blueprint you execute it i'm not going to tell you nothing that won't be executed the people who don't have any success they don't want to execute the blueprint because you're going to do what you want to do anyway because that's what you've been designed to do but all you're doing is just adding to what you have and just by making that adaptation to what you already do best that's why we're so excited and lucky to be working with a talent I'm like excited, yourself. baby, because I got to fill myself with confidence before I get out the car to come to work. Because mm-hmm. Alex give it to you one time. Mm-hmm. I be having to have two takes sometimes. Yeah, your time is money, honey. Yeah, sugar. <laughs> On the In The Zone Network. Palm Alexander for the In The Zone Network. I want to tell you about newest black-owned sponsor, Sugar Pop Creation, located in the city of St. Louis. They're offering things like sweets, custom games, and parties. Sweets like chocolate-covered strawberries, pineapples, infused cakes, custom games like dominoes, checkers, chess, parties like girls' night out, and ten parties at Sugar Pop Creations. You can find her at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Sugar Pop Creations, LLC. Sugar Pop Creations, I make everything pop. Here comes the brand new flavor in your head. Time for new flavor in your head.